It's one o'clock and time for the services from the Calvary Baptist Church of Gainesville. Now, Pastor Raymond Laddie. Turn with me today, if you would, to Romans uh, chapter 11. We're going to look at something that needs to be addressed, but was a real blessing to me as I studied it. Why support Israel? Now, we talked about the promises that God made through Abraham and God's plan in the long run to bring Israel to bear uh, all the things that they went through, how God's preserved them to this day, you know, against unbelievable odds. Uh, they're facing a lot of unbelievable odds now that we need, we need to pray for them, and we never abandon them. And it's really struck me how America, uh, the, the greatest Christian nation that's ever existed, is so anti-Israel now. It's a reminder to us of where we've gotten to spiritually but I want you to know, we need to remind ourselves, why are we pro-Israel? Is it because the preacher says to be on Sunday? Is it because some big preacher or theologian or, or geopolitical guy says support Israel? Well, people say, well, the, the, you know, the, the Jews are rich people above all, uh, and there's money. I think that's one of the main reasons that our politicians, many of them, not all of them, support Israel because there's so much money involved there. We support Israel for the greatest reason, and we need to know this. And this is what's been lost in our universities, and this is what's been lost in, in schools and lost in the halls of government, is why we are pro-Israel. Well, we always go to that verse that says, I will bless those that bless thee, I will curse those that curse thee. But Paul talks about here as he's writing to the Romans why we support Israel. Because what, who came out of Israel, almost said what, but who came out of Israel is life and death for me spiritually. So we are called in the scriptures not to forget Israel. It's easy to stand back for us today and look at what's going on over there and go, well, you know, they brought it on themselves. And they did to an extent. They brought that on themselves by denying Christ. and by, uh, But God has still blessed them and he has not turned his back on them. But it's easy to stand back over here and go, well, they could have done things differently. Beware of that because if we identify as being pro-Israel, we're a target too. And as I said, our nation is much more, uh, you know, compromised in security now than it was 10 years ago. Uh, but I'll leave that right there. But Paul talks about something that is a wonderful picture or an allegory that teaches us a great truth. Today we're going to talk about grafted ingratitude. Does anybody know what grafting is? Not, yeah, not drawing a graph, but uh, G-R-A-F-T, not G-R-A-P-H, grafting. And it was more well known when, you know, our culture and when the community was more agrarian or more people farmed or more people, you know, had to, to, to rely on fruit trees and and, uh, you know, fruit vines and all that kind of stuff. So grafting is a miraculous thing because you can take a, a rootstock and you can cut a limb off of it, and that rootstock may be very, very disease tolerant. In other words, it doesn't get the blight. It doesn't get, uh, you know, other diseases. And you can take a good bearing tree off of a, a bush or a tree or whatever that does get the blight, and you can cut a limb off and graft it onto that rootstock, and it completely changes the whole, uh, the, bo both, really. It, mainly the, the, the branch that's been grafted on. It can bear fruit and 
be blight resistant. New species are created sometimes, different types of fruits that are a, a cross between uh, you know, one fruit and another. So grafting is, is still done today, and it's a big thing among horticulturists. And, and uh, I'm sure our grandfathers, grandmothers, maybe you've done some grafting. You know, you cut that little notch. You got to get that, you know, that inner bark, that cambium layer where the, where the life is, where the sap is together, and then you've got to seal it so that no impurity can get in there and then the root begins to nourish that branch and it produces something completely new and fresh from something that was completely old and, and possibly worn out. Paul talks about engrafted branches here and what he's talking about is the nation of Israel and other nations. Now what's going on in Israel today? I hope you're praying for them. We should be. They're on the ground now in Gaza. There's going to be a lot of urban... Uh, long-term uh, high-casualty warfare. Uh, th that's part of God getting them to a point that they turn back to him. It takes a lot. It takes a great shaking for a nation that generationally has denied something to come to the truth of it. God has to use uh, a lot of uh, means to get them there. And there's also that judgment part of that, that they, they denied Christ, denied that the Messiah existed as the Son of God, and that's why they're suffering like they are now. Our nation is getting to the point that as a whole, we, have, we are denying the existence, as Dad talked about this morning in the devotion, of Jesus as the Messiah or as the Son of God. And in that enters punishment and judgment. And what can happen in Israel can definitely happen here. And that's a sobering thought. But yet... I know who I belong to, and I know that no matter what happens, I have been grafted into a rootstock that is eternal. And we'll get to that in just a minute. Romans chapter 11, we're going to start with verse 11. Paul's talking to the Romans here. Paul was a Jew. Paul would write to the Hebrews and argue Jesus and promote the gospel, uh, and they would deny him by and large. Some believed, but many denied. So what God did was he took the blessings of the gospel that were denied by the Jews and he began to spread it out to the Romans. Now, when Paul's writing to the Romans here in this, in this day and age, he's writing to basically every known nation except the Far East in the whole world. He's writing to the Northern Europe. This word would be carried. He's writing to, uh, you know, Western Europe. He's writing to North Africa. He's writing to all these places and he's saying... You have the opportunity to be a part of something that will save you. There is a better way, and this is all about the gospel and all about how Israel obviously is pivotal in those things. In verse 7, I'm sorry, verse 11 of Romans chapter 11, Paul says, Again I ask you, Romans, did they stumble as to fall beyond recovery? And he's talking about the Jewish people. Have they stumbled? We could ask ourselves this today. Because they're going through what they're going through, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Most of the world's saying yes, that they, they, they're not who they say they are. They're usurpers, they're occupationalists, uh, they're occupiers of a land that's not theirs. Satan has crafted and grafted, if you will, all these lies against Israel that people who do not believe the truth will believe any lie. These young people in these universities, and it's local now from what I hear too, these young people in these universities have no idea what they're, going, what they're uh, marching for or what they're promoting. They have no clue. 
They don't know the truth, so they'll believe any lie. We stand here on Sunday morning. We identify with Israel. I'm not a Jew. I'm as, I'm as Gentile as they come. But I've been grafted in because Jesus' death and resurrection was for all that would believe and trust him. And when you're not raised in that truth, and I'm so thankful I have been, and I'm so thankful for people who took time out of their life and people who taught me and loved me and, and, and disciplined me toward what is right and what is wrong and all that comes from the Word of God that I know the truth. And I, we have evidences of evidences of evidences and more evidence of this being the case. Not that we're just taught this. We, I hope, know this is true because. So they have no idea what they're, what they're, they're, they're kids that age, young people are into fads. But yet, then again, they've been taught, maybe not overtly, but covertly, up through the educational system now, some of these, uh, some of these non-truths. Me and Katie, Katie's learning about Israel. She had some questions this week as we went back and forth to basketball practice. She made the basketball team. Congratulations. She's already better than I ever was. We had some discussions about what, what even the textbooks say. There's no allusion to them being God's people, you know. And that, that's in a secular uh, way of teaching in a secular curriculum now, but we had some conversations, and we're going to have more because I want her to know when they come to her and say, what are you talking about? How can you believe this? That she's right, and she, she can point them to what we believe based on God's Word, based on the Holy Spirit guiding her and, and us to this. Engrafted branches. Paul says, are they beyond salvation? Not at all. God is not done with Jerusalem. God is not done with Israel. But we're going to take this in a little bit different direction today than we have been in the, in the ensuing weeks or the previous weeks. Paul says, rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles. That's where I come in. That's where my ancestors back to antiquity came in. That salvation came to them and the blessing of, of following and knowing Christ came to them because the Jews by and large rejected it. That's how God works. Okay, that's how God works. He takes a bad thing that is the decision and the action of mankind, carnal, sinful mankind, and he makes something great out of it. Paul goes on to say, but if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their fullness bring? He says, I'm going to bring it all together. I have not given up on them. I made them a promise. They are my people. I am jealous of them. I am going to bring them back to salvation after much, much suffering, after, unfortunately, many of them perish in eternal fire because of their unbelief. Their generations later on, and maybe some of the generations that are over there fighting now will come to belief in Jesus. And we should say, too, that many of them are messianic. I've watched videos of some messianic IDF soldiers who say, well, I serve, I get, I'm getting my strength from Yeshua, which is the Hebrew word for, for Jesus. It's a, a, a really remarkable thing. And Paul will point that out here. Verse 13, I am talking to you Gentiles. That's us. That's the Roman, the Greek, the Irishman, the Hispanic nations, the African nations, the Slavic nations, the the, uh, the, the South Pacific nations, the, the, the Asian nations, you name it. I'm talking to you Gentiles, you non-Jews, because there's a great opportunity for you. 
Inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I make much of my ministry, Paul says, in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people. He's talking about the Jews. You know, Paul got frustrated when so many people didn't believe and wouldn't hear and, and, and attacked him violently and economically and other ways. He was frustrated. But he didn't quit. He says, well, if the door is shut for a lot of the Jews, I'll go to the Gentiles. And that's the whole reason he wrote Romans here. He's writing to the greatest nation, conglomeration of nations here that ever existed in the ancient world. He says in verse 15, For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? He's saying Jesus has a plan for them. In the part of the dough offered as first fruits, going back to the Jerusalem custom of the unleavened bread, is, is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the, if the root is holy, so are the branches. And that's where this grafting comes in. We can be holy. We can be saved. We can be ready for eternity. We can know the truth and know why we support Israel because we've been grafted by faith into the root that came out of Jesse, meaning Jesus, and the lines that go all the way back to the patriarchs. Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob. We can be grafted into those branches, Paul will say, that were broken by unbelief. And I love this, verse 17. If some of the branches have not been, have been broken off, meaning the Jews that have not believed, the olive tree we're looking at here is a cultivated olive tree, cultivated by God through the generations cultivated from their root in Abraham, cultivated up. If you grow a tree, you've got to start with that root. And you've got to baby that root, and you've got to dig the holes just right, and you've got to set it in there, and you've got to water it, and you've got to keep the blight away, and you've got to fertilize it. God did all those things spiritually to the nation of Israel, and we benefit from that. Because by and large, they reject the gospel, but yet as Simeon reminded the world back in Luke when Jesus was a baby and he held him, that the gospel is for all who will believe. All peoples. It's amazing and wonderful and a great opportunity. Going on down, a wild olive shoot, if it's cut off, can be grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. That wild olive root, he's talking about the Gentiles, the wild tribes that existed in the time of the Romans, that the Romans conquered and subdued, who were from Europe and Spain and, and, and all these other places. He's saying this gospel and the power of God and the mercy and love and, and grace of Jesus, they can be joined and being grafted spiritually into the belief of Jesus as a Jewish Savior, as a Jewish man who was yet God, and be saved and be nourished by God through faith in Christ. Pretty interesting allegory, pretty interesting picture there today. And again, why do I support Israel? Why do I pray for their salvation? Is because my salvation came out of Israel. It didn't come out of Arabia and by a man named Mohammed. It didn't come from there. It didn't come out of the Far East with a big fat man named Buddha. 
Because at least that's what he looks like. And when you see those sculptures, that ain't my salvation. My salvation is not in any politician. My salvation did not come from some pagan god in Northern Ireland back in the old days. My salvation comes from nowhere except through the promise given to the Jewish people who would become Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection on the cross. Think about this. Jesus was grafted to the cross, you might say. A cross buying in itself is nothing. It's just a cross of wood that is terribly rugged and splintery and and, you know, hewn out of trees that to hang people on to death. But because Jesus and not Barabbas and no other man could do what Jesus done, it had to be Jesus to be grafted to the cross so that I could be grafted to God by my faith in the grafting of Jesus and the life that sprung out of the tomb when he came back to life. I'm so thankful that he died for me. I'm so thankful that no matter what happens, there's hope. I want to tell you something today. That I don't care what's going on. I don't care what wars are being fought. I don't care how much weaker our nation gets. I do care, but I don't. it goes further than that. Don't get me wrong. I'm in Jesus. Jesus is on the throne. He is alive, and there's hope. Listen, there's hope. There's hope. God's not finished with Israel. God's not finished with you as a individual person a lot of a lot of old theologians used to say that there's there was a belief that the church replaced israel because israel rejected the gospel that's not biblical we are grafted in by god's grace and mercy so that we can be nourished by the light of the world jesus until the time that we are transformed from this earthly body to a heavenly body. Jesus said it in John 15, 5. If a man be in me and I be in him, he can bear much fruit. Apart from me, he can do nothing. I am the vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you are nothing. You can do nothing. Your life will amount to nothing. You are a dead branch. I had to prune a rose bush at my house this past week. I had a little extra time off because our hours were a little short, not this coming week. But I had to do housework. Now, it was my idea. We had a big old rose bush, and it blooms real pretty. And I cut it off because if you fall on that thing, you're going to be hurt. You're going to be cut up. So I cut it off, and already, because of this warm weather, I took those branches, those rose thorns, out in the woods in just a few short days, they're dried up, they're cracking, they're turning brown. That's what happens to life if we deny or turn away from Jesus. Life becomes dull, life becomes pointless. You start looking for all the garbage in the world to try to, to take the place of Jesus. But apart from him and being engrafted in Christ by faith, you can and will and will amount to nothing. Amen? They took Lily out, darn it, waiting for an amen. That's the beauty of grace and mercy. Paul goes on to say, do not boast over those branches, though. I think this is kind of interesting to think about as we look at Israel and say, oh, woe is them. Be real careful. Be real careful of that. If some of the branches have been broken off and through a wild olive shoot have been grafted in among the others and now share that nourishing sap, 
from the olive root. Don't boast over those broken branches. Don't boast over the brokenness of many of the Jews. Don't boast over the, uh, not that you would boast, but it's easy to stand back and go, I'm glad I live in the United States, and I am glad I live in the United States. Be careful, because they have warned us. If we don't take this stuff seriously, we're going to be dealing with the same things. And I think Paul may allude to that here in some ways. Do not boast over those broken branches. If you do consider this, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You see, people live today as if they support the root. My presence, my knowledge, my political affiliation, my wokeness, it's going to support you and change you and nourish you. It doesn't don't work like that. All of that comes from the nourishment of Christ through the Holy Spirit and the gospel. Then we flower out into all those places in life, our political views, our geopolitical views, how we approach any issue that comes our way. It's based on the root that hopefully by faith in Jesus, and I'm talking about a, a, a new birth, being saved, salvation, we're being nourished by Christ, not trying to just kind of halfway include him into our life because it looks good on our Facebook page. It's not how it's meant to be. He is the root. He will nourish us in ways we didn't think he could. He will be there and guide our shoebox to some forgotten nation for a little child that may not be your skin color, may not be... Anything like you to be grafted in. Hey, I'm going to tell you something here today, and it needs to be said. As horrible as Hamas is, as evil as they are, and they are, and I'm not talking about them as a terrorist organization, God loves the Palestinians. Amen? There are many of them that have been grafted in. We need to pray for them that are probably caught in the crosshairs of that mess. God will deal with the enemies. He already is. To be grafted in. We have to be grafted into Jesus. And then we can flourish and bear fruit. Not become a dry, withered, cut off shoot. He goes on to say, granted, the Jews were broken off because of unbelief. It all goes back to faith, belief, and unbelief. And you stand by faith. We stand by faith, don't we? The only thing that grafts me in is not the fact that, you know, I'm handsome. It's not the fact that I'm smart, which I'm none of those things. It's by my faith. Realizing that without Jesus, how sinful I am, how lost I am. You, when, when the Holy Spirit begins to work on a person and begins to point that out in their lives, they come to understand this thing is a lot bigger than I am. And you begin to see yourself as a sinner. The Holy Spirit points that out. And you may feel somewhat condemned. You may feel somewhat uh, convicted. And we're taught now, and reflexively, a lot of people now that any time that comes along, that's a bad thing, flee from it. That's human nature. But it's God dealing with us so that we will release to him, that we'll come to that crisis of belief that Jesus is the way. The Holy Spirit points us to the cross, points us to regeneration, which is what grafting is. It's a regeneration of a sick or a dead or a useless branch when it's connected to the rootstock. They were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant. Do not be arrogant. I was watching a general, a retired American general, a fellow named McGregor. 
And he was being interviewed by a Scottish guy. I thought that was funny. McGregor being interviewed by a Scottish guy, general. But he's talking about how blind Washington is. He says, and we see God's hand on this, and God is the ultimate author of, of uh, you know, the events of the world, of, of the fallen world. Although Satan leaves, God oversees it uh, to an extent, offering motion and grace. But he was talking about how absolutely blind Washington is to what's really going on. And they say they're supporting Israel. And I believe that to an extent. I believe a lot of it has to do with, with money exchange. There are still some in the halls of government that do believe and have a Zionist approach to things. But he was talking about how utterly incapacitated our president is, not just politically, but also physically and mentally now. He talks about the people behind the scenes that are really running the country. He, he had some interesting insights uh, to what is going on. I say that to say that um, we need to know why we stand for what we stand for and who we stand, why we stand for who we stand for, I guess you should say. But uh, that aside, let's go on back to the scripture. Granted, the branches were broken off because of unbelief. And what I was getting at is the unbelief among the leadership of our nation today. And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant as they are, which is what I was getting at. Arrogant in sin, arrogant in unbelief, arrogant in immorality, Do, but be afraid. He's not saying be scared to live your life. He's saying be respectful and reverent and in awe of what God has done for you. When you stand before God and when you get in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit is leading you, and you see yourself for who you really are, you become, and what God has done for you to offer you salvation through mercy and grace and your belief, to spiritually make you whole and perfect before God, that's an awe-inspiring thing, or it should be. To look at who I was and who I am now and what God has forgiven and forgotten and how he sees me now, we should be so reverent and respectful to him and so awe-inspired. That's what Paul is saying. Don't be arrogant. Don't be arrogant because you're the USA. Don't be arrogant. Don't be nationalistic. Be submitted to me as a branch that flourishes. And I think we all flourish for the most part. We have our problems. We have our little blights and our little uh, uh, you know, problems that come. Those little bugs that like to bore in and attack us physically or whatever. But I think all of us would say that we're so blessed and we're flourishing and we're bearing fruit, hopefully, because of the sap that comes from the root of Jesse, Jesus Christ himself. The de his death and resurrection for us. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches, be grafted, I'm sorry, he will not spare you either. It's not saying that your salvation can be lost, but that you can be punished that you can be judged, that you can be disciplined by God. He can allow that to happen so that you'll turn to him. And that's exactly, in part, what is happening to the nation of Israel today. While they suffer such inhumane, barbaric treatment at the hands of demons, why they're so in consternation and why people have been separated from their families and why little babies have suffered, it's not God's fault. They forgot their Messiah. And America 
This is sobering to me. America, by and large, has forgotten her Savior. America has forgotten that it's because of the root of Jesse and our support of Israel is why we've been the greatest, richest, fattest, most blessed nation since 19, the 1940s at the end of World War II. The, the history speaks for itself. While we had great men who laid the, uh, led the nation in our zenith in the 50s, we started going downhill in the 60s because we started turning away from God. You see... He says, don't be arrogant because if you turn away from me, if you begin to cut off that sap supply in your own life, that spirit supply, that God supply, that provision, then you'll begin to wither. And you'll, you'll begin to be subdued, not just spiritually, but also physically. He says, Paul says, let me warn you, don't be arrogant. Don't stand up and say, goody, goody, look at me. But to be prayerful and to pray for the restoration and the salvation of Israel. And then in verse 22, he says, Also consider, therefore, the kindness and the sternness of God. Is God kind? Amen. Is he stern? He's God. Of course he is. He's perfect in all those ways. Don't forget the sternness to those who fall, but kindness to you. If you're in Jesus today, and you're where you need to be, and you're, you've got sin dealt with in your life, and, and you're growing as a Christian, he is extending the kindness of heaven to you. And we should be thankful for that. Thank you so much for listening to the services from Calvary Baptist Church. To hear more of this sermon or other past services, please visit our website, calvarybcgainesville.org. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia. Welcome to the 